Good Sunday morning. Welcome to the latest edition of Sharing the Victory, program sponsored by the West Virginia University chapter of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Campus Director Kirby Myers with us. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Good morning. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing well. You had a great event recently with the keynote speaker being Mountaineer football coach Neil Brown, and several athletes spoke and gave their testimonies not only about being saved, but what FCA has meant to them. I'm sure um, proud's probably not the right word, right? But I'm sure that... That's probably a good one. Okay. Proud's proud's a good word. You were proud of those young people that got up there and told a literally a room full of people what FCA meant to them and uh, shared their testimony. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was nice to have Coach Brown as our keynote, but they were the the, highlight. The athletes stole the show. They really did. They really did. They were all very, very, very well spoken. Yeah, I've had them do that two or three times now, so they're they're getting good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. All right, so semester's wrapping up, but you continue on with your work. Yes, we do. Always, always things to do. Always athletes around, and baseball's still going for another month or so. So, plenty of ministry opportunities. Need a softball team here. We do. You need need uh, not something just, for not Teresa. just Iowa State, right? Yeah, we need something for Teresa to do in uh, in April and May. That's true. That's true. Ma- Let's get it done. to the softball team. All right. Well, thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. It's been a couple weeks since I've been live, but want to talk again about the resurrection of Jesus. That's still fresh in our minds, and so we're going to look at Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, and we're going to look at the reactions to the resurrected Christ. So let me read Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Well, today we're going to look again at the greatest miracle recorded in all of Scripture, the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a historical event. The tomb was indeed empty on Sunday morning. Without the resurrection of the Messiah, our faith is useless we would still be in our sins. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, we would be of all men most to be pitied. But Jesus really did rise from the dead. All four gospel writers affirm this fact. He was seen by Peter. He was seen by the 12. He was seen by James. And he was seen by over 500 believers at one time. S. Lewis Johnson says that the resurrection is God's amen to Christ's statement, it is finished. And so today we're going to look at four, or going to see four responses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verses 8 to 9 is where we find the responses of these 
two women. So who came to the tomb after Jesus was raised? Well, Matthew here in in chapter 28 focuses on two women who came. First of all, Mary Magdalene. Mary was a follower of Jesus, and according to John chapter 19, verse 25, Mary was present at the crucifixion. In Luke chapter 8, verse 2, we see that she was a woman who had been delivered from seven demons. And then there's a second Mary, called the other Mary here. We see her mentioned in Matthew 27, 61. What a bummer to just be known as the other Mary. But we learn in Matthew 27 that this Mary was the mother of James and Joseph. James is one of the disciples, the son of Alphaeus, also known as James the Less. And Matthew tells us here in verse 1 that they came to look at the grave. And then if you drop down to verse 7, go quickly is the command and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So the angel gives the the women two commands here. Number one, come. Come and see the place where he was lying. He invites them to come into the tomb and see that Jesus is no longer there. And then secondly, we see the command, go. Go to the disciples. They are gathered together for fear of the Jews, and they need to know that Jesus has risen from the dead. As we come to verse 8, we see their response to the resurrection of the Messiah. So today we want to look at four responses to the resurrection by Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. The first response we see here is reverence. Reverence. Verse 8 says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear. These women obeyed the command of the angel of the Lord. This was no ordinary man. This was an angel. The Greek here is angelos. It means a messenger of the Lord that was sent by the Father himself. And he gave these two women two commands. One, come in and see that he is no longer here. And number two, go and report to the disciples what you have seen. In verse 7, he says, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And I love in verse 8 that Matthew tells us, and they left the tomb quickly. They had reverence for the messenger of the Lord. There was recognition of the Lord's servant. Matthew tells us that they revered the angel of the Lord, they obeyed him, and they left quickly. But he also tells us something else here. He tells us that they left with fear. Friends, they had encountered an angel of the Lord, and this was not an everyday occurrence. In today's culture, in America, it almost seems that an encounter with an angel is an everyday occurrence. Our culture is fascinated with angels, and it has almost become normal to encounter an angel today in this country. I do think it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13.2, he says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without even knowing it. But the angel stories that we hear about on television or in books or from the media are nothing like the angel that these women encountered. This angel came from the Lord. He descended from heaven. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow. He was able to make the Roman soldiers become like dead men. 
he was strong enough to roll away a stone from a tomb that had been sealed and secured. This was no ordinary man, and we see that the women were afraid. The Greek word here is phobos, where we get the English word phobia, and it means fear or terror. This is what people would experience throughout Scripture whenever they encountered angels. The angel said to Mary in Luke chapter 1, Do not be afraid. The angel said to Zacharias in Luke chapter 1, Do not be afraid. The angel told the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, Do not be afraid. And the angel says to these two women in verse 5, Do not be afraid. The appearance of an angel of the Lord was a terrifying experience. It brought great fear and even terror. When I was in sixth grade, I entered middle school, and this meant a new building with lockers, exciting, multiple classrooms with different teachers, and a new principal. The principal's name was Rick Snodgrass. His, na- his name was intimidating itself, but he was about six foot four, maybe 250 pounds. He had a booming voice. And whenever he made an announcement for the whole school, he really didn't need the intercom. We could often hear his voice from the office from our class. Fortunately, I knew of him before my first day of school. He was our neighbor, and I delivered his newspaper every afternoon. But the first time I encountered him in the hallway, as a sixth grader, as my principal, I almost had to go and change my pants. He was six foot four, 250 pounds. I was four foot four and just over 30 pounds. He wasn't even angry with me. He just spoke to me, and I was sore afraid. And he was not an angel of the Lord. These women were afraid. They trembled. They were shaking in their sandals. But they responded to the angel's command. They revered the Lord's servant, and they recognized that he had been sent by God to them. So the first response of the women is reverence. Secondly, we see rejoicing. Look again at verse 8. It says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. These women experienced two completely different emotions, fear and joy, and it was experienced simultaneously. How is that possible? Well, just last month, we watched the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness, and I think about Fairleigh Dickinson and the joy that they experienced by getting into the tournament combined with the fear of knowing that they would have to play number one Purdue in the first round. And by the way, they won. Or what about new parents, the joy of having a new baby, coupled with that sudden realization that we are now responsible for this baby? Or what about a new husband, the joy of having a new beautiful wife, combined with the mystery of why is she crying on our honeymoon? (laughs) The women were fearful, yet joyful. The women were trembling, yet rejoicing. But I believe that their joy was greater than their fear. Matthew tells us so when he says they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. Their joy was great, yet it was mixed with fear. Psalm 211 says, Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Matthew Henry, that great Bible commentator, says, Holy fear has joy attending it, that they serve the Lord with reverence, serve him with gladness. Spiritual joy is mixed with trembling. 
These women rejoiced. They were elated. Their joy was great. Their Lord was no longer dead. Their master and their savior was risen from the dead, and there could be no greater news on the earth. Mary Magdalene, she was once possessed and oppressed by seven demons. She became a follower of Jesus, one who accompanied Jesus and the apostles from one village to another. She had witnessed his crucifixion and his death, but now had received news that Jesus was alive. It was probably hard for her to see as she and Mary made their way to the disciples from the tears that now filled her eyes, these tears of joy. Jesus was alive. She had just seen him die two days prior. She watched the soldier pierce his side and blood and water flowed, proving that he was dead. She saw him being brought down from the cross and she saw him being buried in a borrowed tomb. But her sadness turned to joy. She could have sang the modern day hymn that we sing today in Christ alone from the Gettys and those words that say, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. So we see, first of all, the response of reverence. Secondly, we see the response of rejoicing. Thirdly, we see the response of running. Verse 8 says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Friends, this was the greatest news that they had ever received. These women were at the cross with only one disciple, John. They were most likely aware of Peter's denial and how the other disciples were scattered, how they were afraid, how they were dismayed. And so they ran. And I would imagine that they ran faster than they had ever run before. When my boys were little, we bought the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you have small children, I would highly recommend that. And we used to read it to them, and also we had a CD, if you can remember what that was, and they would listen to this CD at night before they would go to sleep. And I, I remember the story about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. There's a section about Mary Magdalene running to the tomb, and this is what the author says. He says, Mary ran and ran all the way to the city. She had never run so fast or so far in all her life. She felt she could have run forever. She didn't even feel like her feet touched the ground. Well, this is what Andrew did when he first met Jesus. He ran and found his brother Peter and said, we have found the Messiah. This is what Philip did when he first met Jesus. He ran and found his brother Nathaniel and said, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. And this is what John and Peter did when Mary Magdalene delivered to them the news of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. In John chapter 20, we read in verse 4 that the two ran to the tomb. I always think it's funny that John tells us there that as he's writing this account in his gospel, he says that the two were running together, and he always refers to himself as 
the other disciple or the beloved disciple, and he says, the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. Well, these women could not contain themselves. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, ran. They had to get to the disciples and share the good news that Jesus was risen. He was risen indeed. They revered the angel of the Lord. They rejoiced at the wonderful news of the resurrection, and they ran to tell the disciples. The fourth reaction that we see here in this text is relationship. Relationship. Verse 9 says, And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate. This was not just the Messiah. This was their Messiah. This was not just the Savior of the world. This was their Savior. This was not just the Lord of Lords. This was their Lord. They now completely understood why Jesus had come. They believed fully in him, and they worshiped him and served him from this day forward. In John chapter 4, in that account of Jesus and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, we read in verse 23 where Jesus says, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Friends, here are two genuine worshipers who understood who Jesus was, that he was the exact representation of the Father, that because they had seen him, they had seen the Father, and because of this glorious truth, they worshiped him. And that is seen in their obedience in verses 10 and 11. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. And then it says, Now while they were on their way. They not only did what the angel said, but they also did what the Lord commanded them to do. Obedience would mark the lives of the disciples and the first followers of Christ. And this is part of our relationship with Jesus Christ as well. Relationship and obedience to him. So four, four responses to the resurrection here. Number one, reverence. Number two, rejoicing. Number three, running. And number four, relationship. Well, how about you? What is your response to the resurrection of the Messiah? We just celebrated Easter Sunday a few weeks ago, but it still should be fresh in our minds every time we gather on the Lord's Day on Sunday, we, we meet on Sunday, not on Saturday like the Jews did on their Sabbath day, but as, as Jesus raised on Sunday, the church began meeting on the first day of the week. Well, why did they do that? Because they wanted to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So we should be thinking about his resurrection all year long, every time we gather with the saints on a Sunday morning like today. So what is your response to the resurrection of the Messiah? Well, the response of first importance would be belief in Christ. That is essential to the doctrine of Christ. The Gospel of John that we've 
spent a lot of time in recently, I've told you, is known as the gospel of belief because we see that word believe in the Greek 98 times. Paul would say in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus not only died, but he was buried and he was raised on the third day, and he lives today, and the Bible tells us that he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. There are a lot of theories out there invent- that were invented to explain away the resurrection of Christ. Um, one was called the, the wrong tomb theory, you know, that the women and the disciples went to the wrong tomb, and so they thought Jesus had raised from the dead because his body wasn't there. There was one known as the rapid decay hypothesis that Jesus died on Friday, and because of the intense heat in Palestine, his body was completely decomposed, bones and all, on Sunday morning when they came to the tomb. One of my favorites is the twin brother theory, that Jesus had an exact twin brother. And Jesus went and died on Friday, but guess who showed up on Sunday morning? Jesus' twin brother, with the nail prints in his hands and feet and all crazy. But one of those theories to explain away the resurrection of Jesus is found right here in Matthew 28, and it is the stolen body theory. It's the theory that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. And we can see that this theory was devised and influenced by Satan himself. Friends, the Bible teaches over and over that Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus prayed in the garden, of Gethsemane before he was arrested the night before. In John 17, 17, we read, Jesus says, thy word is truth. Jesus would say about himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in Titus chapter 1, we see that verse 2, that God cannot lie. There is something God cannot do. He cannot lie. All four gospel writers affirm the validity of the resurrection. Jesus appeared to more than 500 believers at one time. The evidence, friends, is overwhelming. He is risen from the dead. So if you're listening today and you are not in Christ, you are not a worshiper of Jesus because you have no relationship with Jesus. And so I would implore you to believe the gospel and to do it today while today is still called today. Well, what should be my response to the resurrection as a believer in Christ? Well, I think it would be the same reaction experienced by these women. Number one, there should be reverence. A reverence for Christ. Not a fear that he will damn me or destroy me or punish me, but a reverential fear. One of awe and amazement that leads to love and obedience of him. The Bible says, worship the Lord with reverence. He is holy, and he is worthy of our reverence and our worship. Number two, the second reaction would be rejoicing. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, we see a command there that says, rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Isn't that a comfort to know? that there is a book that contains our names that are written down, that we belong to Christ. We are in the Lamb's book of life, and it is written in the blood of Christ, never to be erased, never to be blotted out. 
And as we see with these women, my life and your life should be marked with joy. No matter what my circumstances may be, no matter how bad I may feel, no matter how bad my financial situation may be. First Thessalonians 5.16, which is the shortest verse in the Greek Bible, you probably are going, wait a minute, Kirby, the shortest verse in the Bible is John 11.35, Jesus wept. That is correct in the English translation, but in the Greek Bible, the shortest verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.16 that says, Rejoice always. Fear not. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love casts out fear. The third reaction to the resurrection should be running. Running, just as they ran to the tomb. What will you do with the knowledge that you have of Jesus Christ, that about his perfect life and his sacrificial death and his triumphant resurrection? Will you run and tell others, like Andrew did, like Philip, like the two Marys? Will you tell your parents or your children? Will you tell your neighbor? Will you witness to that dear friend? Will you tell that lost family member or classmate or teammate? It's the greatest news in the world, and it's the best thing that we can give away to others. That is our faith. And then the fourth reaction to the resurrection should be relationship. Are you serving the risen Savior? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you thanking him? Are you acknowledging him for what he has done on your behalf? Do you take time to read his word? Christ loves you more than anyone else loves you. I mentioned that to our, our uh, athletes at FCA just recently, that Christ loves you more than your teammates love you. Christ loves you more than your friends or your roommates love you. If you're married, Christ loves you more than your wife loves you or your husband loves you. And yes, Christ loves you even more than your dog loves you. But do you love Christ more than anything else? Do you love Christ more than anyone else? He deserves first place and he demands first place. The Bible says that the Lord will not share his glory with another. In conclusion, I read this story years ago about the originator of a new religion who came to the great French diplomat statesman Charles Maurice de Talleyrand Perigord, and he complained that he could not make any new converts. What would you suggest I do, he asked. I should recommend, said, said Talleyrand, that you get yourself crucified and then die, but be sure to rise again on the third day. The resurrection of the Messiah, it's a benchmark of our faith, we believe that he was raised from the dead, which gives us hope that one day we too will be raised and we will live with Christ forever. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for these incredible responses of these women to the news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reverence they had for the angel to do what he told them to do Lord, the, uh, the rejoicing that filled their heart, the running, they ran to the tomb, they ran to the disciples, and Lord, they had relationship with the risen Christ. May we do likewise and grow in our walk with you and proclaim that Jesus is indeed risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for this glorious truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Sharing the victory on WAJR, sponsored by the West Virginia University chapter of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Again, you can go to the website, wvufca.org, to learn more. 
and uh, we've learned more about uh, we're past Easter, but the uh, the miracle of the the resurrection. Yeah. It, it, you 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 continue on with the narrative. That that was great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We appreciate uh, Kirby Meyer's time. Again, you can learn more about the organization WVUFCA.org. And thanks for listening. Join us again next week. This is Sharing the Victory, WVUFCA 104.5 FM, 1440 AM. You're listening to Sunday Morning on WAJR.